Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be here with you today. And uh, I, too, live in the city of Vancouver. I live just about 15 minutes from here. And uh, I'm sure you're quite aware of the secular city in which we live, where there are probably more people in yoga class this morning than there are in church, where we live in high-rise buildings or in neighborhoods where people don't neighbor anymore and get to know one another. We live in a city where loneliness is the social epidemic of our time, and we are a people that are frenzied with the busyness of life and the overwhelming options we have been given. And so in light of this, I want to talk to you about what it means to make a difference in the world for people who are far from God. I wake up every morning, quite early, to walk my dog. As uh, Alistair said, I have two dogs, one who's a retired police dog, and we go for a walk every morning. And as I wake up in the morning, I go out of the door, I look across the street, and I see the curtains are closed at my neighbor's house. I know that my neighbor lives a good chunk of the year on her own. Her parents live between Vancouver and Hong Kong. She's in her, in her 20s. She struggles with anxiety, purpose, what career to choose, what should she be doing with her life. And I believe it's also no accident that we live near her. We've got to know her, and as we've done so, we've prayed for her regularly. We've asked God how we can interact with her that would help her to know where our hope and our life comes from. I've had chances to pray with her. I've been able to encourage her. And some weeks we don't even see each other, and sometimes we see each other often. But I just know there's a purpose to us being her neighbor. She texts me when things are tough, but I'm going to be very honest with you. I invited her to Alpha at my church. I go to Granville Chapel, just up Granville Street a little ways from here. And she came and she thought it was okay. She brought her boyfriend at the time and they both thought it was okay. And she didn't go to the Alpha weekend, which I always say is the best part of the whole Alpha experience. Like if you go to the Alpha weekend, it's amazing. And it's actually where most people come to faith. She and her then-boyfriend didn't go, and I was disappointed, but that's okay. That's what was going on in her life. And she finished Alpha, and she said, thanks, it was a really good experience, and that was it. And I was quite disappointed because I was asking God for her to come to faith and, you know, that she would find this hope, especially in the midst of her anxiety and her questions about life. And as I've done so, I've always, I've processed, Lord, here I am in this work of evangelism, and I invite people, and they don't come to faith, right? Like, what is this? I'm supposed to be the leader of this organization. And often when people I speak to hear the word evangelism, they think, oh, evangelism. It kind of, resp the response I typically get is boo hiss. You know, people in the church don't love that word anymore. And I haven't been able to find a different word that helps us describe what God's calling us into in the Great Commission. But I do know that what's happened in the church, particularly in the West, is when you hear the word evangelism, you usually shut off and think, not for me, because people have relegated evangelism to, oh, this is for those people that have that very special gift that whenever they talk to someone, someone seems to come to know Jesus. Like, it just happens all the time for them. It's a natural thing. That's for the gifted. Or you may have the perspective, okay, I don't have that gift, but I've also not got the education. I've not done a theology degree. I've not taken every apologetics course that Ravi Zacharias has had ever online or in person. You know, you just don't feel equipped. You're like, I could not answer questions that my neighbor or my friend may have. And so you actually opt out of evangelism because every time you hear it, all you do is feel guilty, right? 
feel like, oh man, I'm supposed to be involved in this. It's a command. What am I going to do about it? And I want to tell you that I've been in that place and I have been in evangelism ministry work for over 20 years. So in some ways, I hope you hear that I am one of you. I'm not here to tell you here's what it is and here's what you should do. Be like me. I'm here to say we all have a calling. What does it mean to enter into that calling? What does it mean to have a different perspective on the word evangelism? Because as I think of my neighbor, I sometimes often, not even, sometimes often feel hopeless and think, Lord, come on, she's my neighbor. I've been praying for her for years. But this morning, I have good news for you and for me. God is already at work. God is already at work, and our job is to join him and open up the space around us and them to participate. Let me say that again. God is already at work. Our job is to join him and open up the space around us and them to participate. And we need to change our approach, and here's why. We have forgotten what the Bible says it means to be active in evangelism. Let me reframe it for you with a quote from my favorite pastor beside Alistair. His name is Daryl Johnson. He's a theologian, a prof at uh, Regent College occasionally, and he has given this definition. I think it's fabulous. He says, evangelism is joining a conversation that the Holy Spirit is already having with another person. It comes from our reading. It's biblical. John 15, as you heard read this morning, said, when the helper comes, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So let me say it again, evangelism is joining a conversation that the Holy Spirit's already having with another person. This should be very good news for all of us. We should rejoice, we should feel those heavy weights, a burden of conviction coming off our shoulders to say, oh, this isn't about I have to do more, and if I don't initiate, God won't get to this person. The reality is God is saying, to us. There's a conversation I'm already having with your friend, your work, your colleague at work, your neighbor, your family member, and you're invited to join him in that conversation. So it is a mystery of how God does that. But I want to tell you this, this beautiful ministry, mystery is the Holy Spirit who loves people is already having a conversation with those around you. He is already there. As you are here in church, he is out there in the world working with all those people you intersect with daily. In the book of John, again, the reading from this morning, Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Most of us think it would be nice if Jesus was here walking around amongst us. I think my faith would be higher. And he actually says, it's to your advantage that he's gone away. Why? Because if he does not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But Jesus says, but if I do, and he has, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world concerning, concerning sin and judgment. So Jesus calls us to bear witness to him. For sure he does. But Jesus is telling us that the Spirit bears his own witness to himself. And yes, he does it through our witness, but he does it before we come to witness. 
And here's the key, he does it even without our witness. The mystery is that he does not need us, but he chooses to use us. He wants us to be involved in this work of helping other people know about him. So this is the wondrous mystery that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit who is already having a conversation with all those that you love. Your family, your neighbor, your friends, the person that you see in the gym, your work colleague, the person you love, the person you dislike, the one who drives you crazy, and the one whom you love. God is talking to them. You can be assured of that from the word of God this morning. So we have to reorient ourselves to this regularly to remind ourselves, I am not the initiator, God is. God is already at work in this person's life, and this is liberating for us. And the wonder is that God actually invites us into it. He could do it without us, but he says, I want you to participate. So what is our job? Our job is is to simply, as Jeremiah 5 says, have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because the Holy Spirit is radically Jesus-centric. He is doing the work of evangelization all around us. And the joy, the joy, not the burden, the joy is that we get to enter into this conversation. So I want to ask you, when you hear the word evangelism, do you feel joy? I think, likely, if you're like most Christians, you think, oh. But I want to tell you, it should elicit joy in us. Because joy, first of all, that God is already at work in the people you love and want to see come to know him. But secondly, and more importantly, is that this joy comes because Jesus is our joy. Because the best news in the world is Jesus himself. Joy that you have found life and hope and assurance and grace and mercy and wholeness. And that this Jesus, who is your joy, is available to those that are far from him. He's already at work in them and you have the joy in Jesus of helping someone else meet him. So something is already going on in this world as you sit here, the Holy Spirit is at work. And this understanding should remove the boo-hiss response to the word evangelism. It should also remove fear or anxiety. Because actually, if you totally bungle the whole conversation with a friend about faith, or you actually give the worst alpha invitation ever, it does not matter because you have been faithful to invite, and the Holy Spirit does the work in their hearts to whether or not they're gonna come. Your job is not to convince them why they should come to Alpha. Your job is to provide a winsome opportunity to come to Alpha. But even if you mess it up, the Holy Spirit can still use it. Isn't that good news? That you don't have to have the right words. It also removes arrogance and judgment from our hearts that says, this person needs Jesus, and here's why. Here's my list of 10 reasons they need Jesus. I can see how messed up their lives are. I can see how they're caught up in this and that. But when the Holy Spirit is involved in evangelism and in us, we're not judgmental and arrogant. 
were loving and compassion, compassionate and winsome. Don't you want to be part of it? Don't you want to be part of the great unveiling that happens in a person's life when they come to know Jesus? It is probably the most exciting and life-giving place to be with someone who you've journeyed with and loved and cared for and watch their hearts and their eyes awaken and open to the life-giving good news of Jesus. You know, I have learned to pray for the harvest that is plentiful and the workers that are few. I used to get a bit frustrated, and I have to tell you, I've been in the work of ministry, getting paid for doing vocational ministry, in the area of evangelism for over 20 years, and I can tell you, more often than not, I get discouraged. And so a few years ago, I was feeling quite convicted about it and thought, Lord, how am I, a Christian leader, in the work of evangelism, supposed to encourage everybody else if I'm discouraged? How am I supposed to encourage my staff? How am I supposed to encourage my board? How am I supposed to encourage churches that I meet with? And you know, the Lord in his kindness said to me, Shayla, the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. And you know what I realized? I'd become a functional atheist in evangelism. I had stopped believing the harvest was plentiful. And instead, I saw a whole bunch of workers in front of me and thought that was it. And you know, the Lord convicted me. He forgave me for my atheistic viewpoint on evangelism. And so I started praying, Lord, show me that the harvest is plentiful. And you know, the Lord loves to answer those prayers that are straight from the word of God. And so as I prayed that, I started to have eyes and ears to see what the Spirit was doing. And he even used me when I wasn't ready. Let me give you this story. A few years ago, I was traveling from Calgary, or from Winnipeg to Calgary, Calgary to Vancouver. I call that the Milk Run route home on a Friday night, and it's miserable, right? Like, you don't want to do that route, and it was in the evening, and I just wanted to get home. And so the stopover was in the Calgary airport. I got off the plane because I was getting onto a different flight, and I decided that I wanted to just get a fashion magazine, be completely brain dead for my flight home. And I get on the plane. As I'm walking on the plane, there's another young man beside me, and we're just chatting on the, you know, walking down towards the plane. Then we're chatting in the aisle on the plane, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, this guy's chatty. I hope he doesn't sit beside me. Well, what do you know? He sits beside me. And as we sit down, and uh, he's just being friendly, and he says to me, are you on your way home, or is Calgary home? And you know what I do? I open the magazine to sort of indicate, I don't want this conversation to go very far. And I said, yeah, I'm on my way home to Vancouver. You? He says, yes, I live in Surrey. Great. Keeps asking me questions. How was your week? And you know, we want to be polite, right? But I'm hoping this conversation ends soon. And, he, and I said to him, well, how was your week? And he said, I've had the worst two weeks of my life. And this is what the evangelist in me says to the Lord. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Because I was just tired, right? I didn't want to listen. And so I said to him, well, tell me about your last two weeks. And he poured out that his mom died two weeks before that, speaking or preaching at the Sikh temple. Had a heart attack in front of 500 people and died. He said then his cousin's wedding was the next Saturday, and if you know East Indian families, those weddings are a big deal. And his mom was very involved in her sister's daughter's wedding. And so he said, we didn't know what to do, and we decided to go through with it, and this wedding was filled with joy and crying and joy and crying because my mom had just died. 
He said, and this week I've been in Calgary in a court case trying to defend my company because I'm being sued. And then he says, and, you know, my wife and I want to have kids and we can't have kids. I mean, he just went on and on and on. He showed me pictures of the family wedding. And then he turns and he says, hey, I've got a strange question for you. I've been trying to find out something that has not had an answer. And I, I received a brochure on the night that my mom died, and it had these numbers, 316, on it. And I don't know what it means, and I've been asking everyone I know, do you know? And I said, of course I know. And he said to me, are you an angel? <laughs> now, we know I'm not. My husband can confirm I'm not. But, but he wanted to know. And so I pulled out my iPad. I showed him the book of John. I explained to him that this is a very key verse for Christians and why. And here's what Jesus says. Here's who Jesus was. And I got to share with him right there on the plane. He was shocked. He was like, who are you? So I got to explain what I do for a living, that I work for Alpha. Got to say to him, you know, if you'd like a Bible to read on your own, I'm happy to buy you one. I'm happy to send you one. And here's Alpha. You'd be welcome here. And so I gave him my business card at the end of the flight. And I really didn't think I'd ever hear from him again. Two weeks later, I received an email from him. Dear Shayla, you may remember me. We met on a flight between Calgary and Vancouver. And on that flight, uh, you shared with me about John 3.16. I have attached the brochure for you to see. Please note that nowhere on this bro brochure does it say 3.16. I'm freaked out. Please tell me why I've been searching for this for the last few weeks. I, of course, responded immediately, sent him a Bible, and invited him to Alpha. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. So we need to change our approach. And here's how. We enter the Spirit's work of loving people by looking to how Jesus does it. And there's four things I want to highlight today for you. One, he prays. What does your prayer life look like when it comes to people far from God? What does it look like when you enter your workplace and go through the doors in the morning? Do you pray that God would give you eyes to see and ears to hear? What does it look like when you drive by a local high school and pray for the kids in that high school? What does it look like when you go to a family function and most of your family aren't Christians? Do you pray? Is prayer the foundation of your life? Because love prays. So pray to join the Holy Spirit in what he is doing in your world. Pray to be part of the great invitation that the Lord makes to every human being. Pray to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is doing in our city and where you find yourself. Secondly, he pays attention. Are you listening to God and noticing where he's leading you to approach someone? Are you, like Jesus, only doing what you see the Father doing? I find myself more and more praying every morning, Lord, I will join you today in whatever you're doing. Would you please come and show me? Come, Holy Spirit. Guide me into what you're doing. Don't let me miss it. Let me pay attention to, to you. And in paying attention, I find myself more and more willing to be one of those weird Christians 
who's willing to say something to a stranger because of the Holy Spirit's prompting and finding that the Lord was there long before me and he just wanted me to go and encourage them, lift them up, or speak to their heart in some purposeful way. So love pays attention. So open your eyes. What is happening around you with the people you see? Are you seeing them or are you too busy? You're probably like me. You rush from one thing to another. Your life is very full. But I think the Lord asks us to be like him. And he says, pay attention. Have eyes to see and ears to hear. Then thirdly, he listens. Barna just recently did some research in the U.S. in partnership with Alpha USA called Reimagining Evangelism. And their findings were very critical information for all of us. Non-Christian millennials are willing to engage with Christians who do two things. Two things. One, they listen without judgment. They listen without judgment. And two, they don't force them to draw conclusions. So it's a major shift for the next generation, your generation. They want to be listened to. So earn the right to be heard. Ask great questions. There's a book called Jesus is the Question, and Jesus throughout the New Testament asks 307 questions, 307, and only directly answers eight. We need to be like Jesus. We need to love by listening deeply. And then fourth, he invites. Jesus always invites. He says, come and see. The first invitation out of Jesus' mouth, according to John 1, was come. Philip says to a skeptical Nathaniel, come and see, in John 1.46. And John 4, the woman at the well says, come and see a man. And research points to millennials wanting to belong and to be invited into a journey. And you know, Alpha is a journey. It allows people that come just because it's a good meal, just because they wanted to respect their friend, or because they're actually interested in learning more about faith, to come, but come on a journey where they're listened to without judgment and they aren't forced to draw conclusions other than what the Lord is doing in their hearts. So with Alpha this week, my question for you is, where is the Holy Spirit encouraging you to invite? Where is the Holy Spirit already at work around you and you just need to join him in it? For some of you, you've been loving someone for a long time. You've been caring for them, supporting them, encouraging them, and you have never gotten over the hump of fear or nervousness or anxiety to say, would you just come and check out Alpha with me? Hint, don't invite them to 10 weeks, they'll say no. <laughs> invite them to come once and check it out. And if they like it, ask them to come back the next week. So who will you be bold to invite because the Lord is pressing on you to invite them? Because your job is invitation. The Lord's job is bringing them. So our role is not to push out the message. It's to join him in what he's already doing. So will you choose this week, this day, to join him again? And it means slowing down to listen while recognizing the urgency of the moment. 
It's the juxtaposition of slowing down and urgent. And the most effective thing we can do evangelistically is grow in our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, as you know, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes to you when you become a Christian, but it's also an ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit that allows us to be a people that are active both in our own discipleship, but also in being missionary disciples. Not just disciples. We want to be followers of Jesus, but we want to do what he's asked us to do, and so we are missionary disciples, being filled with the Holy Spirit ongoing. But I, like you, have to wake up. I have to slow down. I have to recognize what's happening around me and who's around me so that I may enter the conversation that the Lord's already having with them. This week, I had the opportunity for a third time to have a meal with a woman in Toronto. Each time I met with her, she was a little bit more open to the conversation of faith. She has such little Christian background that she knows very little about Jesus. And this week, when I explained to her on Tuesday over lunch about the gospel and who Jesus is and what he's done, and challenged her to consider inviting him into her heart, she literally said to me, I have never heard this before. I went to Sunday school as a little kid, but no one ever told me this. And I can't tell you how that feels. To sit across from someone that's so obviously hungry for spiritual things and open to the person of Jesus to hear, why has no one ever told me this before? No one has invited her to church since she was a little girl. No one has talked to her about Jesus. Now, in the sovereignty of God, I do believe that God had me at that lunch for a purpose. And you know, between the first service this morning and now, I got a text from her. And she said, Shayla, you asked me to text you to tell you when I invited Jesus into my heart, and I want to let you know I've done that. You know, we get invited to participate in the great kingdom inbreaking that is happening now in this time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. We live in a spiritually uh, creative, should we call it, environment in Vancouver. But the epidemic of our day is loneliness. Your church, Alpha, they provide places for community, for love and compassion, for being known and understood. And so we're invited to be people of hope, and we are called to believe the reality that God is at work in the people we love. Evangelism is joining a conversation the Holy Spirit is already having with another person.